The Talking Football Podcast is brought to you by On The Team Sheet, run by the supremely talented Adam. He produces high-quality prints of classic football team kits through the ages. Whatever your team, you'll find it here. They're absolutely sensational pieces of artwork. Get yourself onto their Eatsy site and Instagram page at On The Team Sheet, and you can get yourself 10% off if you use the code TALKINGFOOTBALL. So that's On The Team Sheet, which is all one word, on Eatsy and Instagram, with 10% off if the code TALKINGFOOTBALL. Welcome to episode 85 of the Talking Football Podcast in association with On The Team Sheet. My name's Derek Clark and each week we try and bring you a top-class interview with some of the most colourful and engaging characters involved in the game. It's the final interview of 2020 and what a brilliant one to finish in what has been an unbelievable year. I chatted with Rob McKinnon to look back on a great career in the game. We hear about his early days at EKYC in Rutherglen Glen Cairn, being part of a Newcastle United side along with Gaza, Peter Beardsley and Chris Waddle and managed by the late great Jack Charlton. Becoming a Hartlepool hero, his disappointment had been denied the chance to join Man United, starring for Motherwell, playing in the Eredivisie for FC20, his time at Hearts Clyde Bank in Bells Hill Athletic, as well as representing Scotland of course and much more in between. So sit back and enjoy the latest episode of the Talking Football Podcast. everyone and welcome to another edition of the, the Talking Football podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to say we're joined on the line this week by former Scotland's Motherwell Hartlepool uh, FC20 and Hearts defender Rab McKinnon. Rab, thank you very much for coming on. No, no problem Derek. It was uh, uh, good to be on. Thanks very much. Hopefully everyone's had a good Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and likewise for yourself, Rabbi, we're just talking off air there. You've managed to have a good one uh, yourself despite the, the restrictions in place. Yeah, um, it's uh, it was quiet, obviously, but um, I think that's pretty much uh, par for the course for everyone. Um, you know, restricted to the, the numbers that we can have in the house and stuff. So it was good. I had my, my dad over for the day, so um, it was an enjoyable time um, and you know very low key. But I think in the current situation, I think everyone has to to do their bit. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking back on the on the career, then fantastic career in in football. Um, when you were born back in uh, July nineteen sixty six, right back in, in Glasgow, uh, did you always have sort of aspirations to be a footballer from a, a young age? Yeah, I always enjoyed playing football, certainly, um, rather than than watching it um, when I was a kid. You know, I played for my, my local school team and we we, we, have, we get thumped every week by, <laughs> by double figures most weeks. We actually had a, a girl long before there was any kind of ladies teams. Uh, well, I, I'm sure there was, but it wasn't as popular nowadays. But we had a girl play in our uh, primary school team um, just because our numbers were pretty poor and she was actually one of the, the better players. So um, it, was, it was strange, but, you know, we... I was from about the age of about eight, eight years old. Um, I got into the, the primary school team and, and really loved playing my football. Um, we moved from Glasgow out to East Kilbride when I was about eight and I joined a local club, EKYC, that yeah. all my family really have some kind of involvement in over the years. Um, my brother, my, my oldest son, my youngest son currently plays for them. And, um, so we've got a, 
an affinity with the club in East Kilbride, um, and we we've enjoyed kind of growing up in the area, and, and it's been good for us. Yeah, when you mentioned there, you, you you preferred playing as opposed to watching football. Did you did you follow any any team when you were, were growing up at all? Uh, I love Jimmy Johnson. My dad was a, a Celtic fan, still a Celtic fan to, to this day. Um, he took me to the, the the games when I was younger, only because there was no such thing as babysitters back then, and you were kind of dragged to the game. But I did enjoy going watching it. Um, Myself and my brother. My, my brother used to spend most of the, the time going around about Parkhead, picking up ring pools to save to send into the school for uh, these kind of heart monitors and all that that the, the hospitals took care of. Um, so he he wasn't really as interested as I was, but I just loved playing the game. Um, and, and Jimmy Johnson and probably Kenny Dalglish to a, a later extent. My, my childhood were my two idols, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you were playing at EKYC, did you sort of realise at an early age that you were that you were pretty good and you, you could maybe carve a career in the game? Eh, uh, not really. No, um, <laughs> playing local East Coast Pride team, as I say, EKYC. My dad was my manager for about eight years. Yeah, I had a, a couple of chances to to go to, to clubs and train with them, but I just enjoyed the, the group of players that. I was playing with it in my local team, you know, went to school with some of them and others were friends and it was a great, it was just a great team. We, we had good success with that team as well. And when you win and with your friends, it's, it's quite a, you're reluctant to kind of move on and, and, uh, and try it yourself at that age. I, I just thought, you know, if it happens, it happens. And when I, you know, eventually left school, um, I went on to play for a, a, a semi-professional team rather than Glen Cairn and the, the amateur, the junior league, sorry. And that's when I get picked up with Newcastle. So, yeah. you know, I, I was probably a late developer, kind of 18 years old, but uh, it, it kind of went fairly quickly from junior football all the way to, to playing for Newcastle, to be honest. Yeah. What was the juniors like to play in? Because, uh, I mean, it's a baptism of fire for, for young players. How did you find it? I loved it. I was a, a skinny wee winger, believe it or not. <laughs> um, we had a, a game against the biggest junior side at the time, Pollock. Yeah. And wow. I was asked to fill in at left back because of work commitments for a normal left back. Um, and that particular game, we beat Pollock. Um, I think I scored. And the Newcastle scout was at the game at the time, uh, Jack McCartney. Uh, Jack recommended me to Newcastle. Um, Went down there for a week's trial and, and must have impressed enough to, to get my first contract. So it was a massive, massive step from, you know, junior football part-time to go to, you know, Newcastle who were in the, just been promoted to the top league. Yeah. And as a young boy going down there as well, did you live yourself or did you sort of stay in digs when you went down there? I, I was lucky enough I had an aunt, uh, my auntie Mary, who still uh, lives down in Newcastle to this day. She's 95 now, so wow. she... Uh, I stayed with her for, for the two years that I was uh, at Newcastle um, and then I moved on to Hartlepool and I kind of moved down into that area. But the two years at Newcastle, you know, guys like Gascoigne and yeah. Waddle, Beardsley, people like that, it was a phenomenal experience for me and obviously one that you, you take with you to your kind of last breath, to be honest. Absolutely. I was going to mention the sort of players that you, you shared the address room with down there, but you mentioned Gaza, first of all. What, I mean, what was he like as a, as a talent and off the field as well as, as a character? It must have been quite a, a lively dressing room. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, he was um, mad as a brush, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, our, our incredible talent. We, we, we all knew the coaches probably wrapped him in, in a little bit more cotton wool than the rest of us, just be purely because they knew the kind of talent that, that he had. Um, yeah. You could see that at his age. You know, he's a year younger than me. I was 18, just 18, going on 19. And when he was uh, an apprentice there, he was still 18 and he was fantastic talent. They won the Youth Cup yeah. um, that year, which again was a quite a prestigious competition for the, the youth teams down there. Um, and it, it was it was a great talent, it really was. And, and people like Beardsley and Waddle, they, they really they brought them on. They, they looked after all the, the young kids coming through, myself included. And you know, it, it was invaluable um, to have these guys over your shoulder just giving you advice and it's um, as I say it was a great club great players um, Jack Charlton was a manager yeah. he was the same he he was uh, his own man at times uh, you know, he would just disappear and you know go off on his fishing trips and stuff and leave the coaches to coach and that you know that was the way he was um, everybody knew the way he was so we just got on with it yeah I was going to mention Jack Charlton of course sadly uh, passed away this year a legend of the game what was it like to, to, to work under it a guy like that and moving from the juniors to play with or train under under him a World Cup winner of course and again another great character wasn't he? Yeah I, I mean it was a an amazing experience um, you know I had a guy called Billy Dutchburn was my manager at uh, Glen Cairn and he was great as well um, yeah really looked after me as a young kid because obviously the junior game as you probably know is quite rough and tumble yeah. um, I was just coming out of playing youth football so you know you were as I say I was a, a winger a wide man at the time and you're you're on the end of some rough tackle shall we say which uh, <laughs> you just have to get up dust yourself down and go on with it so he looked after me in that respect um, and obviously when I got the chance to go to Newcastle he was he was absolutely delighted and um, you know Charlton was you know he was a, a, a kind of one-off to be honest he, he the meeting we had with my dad, we went down for a reserve game, um, a midweek game, we watched the game and then Charlton brought us into his office and he pulled my dad a half, which, you know, <laughs> typical, you know, they, they just look at every Scottish person as whiskey drinkers, he pulled my dad a half and he sat and had a half with him in the in the, his office and just basically said, look, we'll get the kids signed up and he'll be a good addition to our squad and, you know, he, he kind of gave my dad the assurance that, you know, everything was going to be okay. You know, I was going to have to leave home, obviously, stay down in Newcastle with my aunt. So it was a, a fantastic, great, great manager. Um, I, I loved working under him. Um, and he, he, he certainly he gave me a chance to, to kind of push into the first team, albeit it was William McFall that gave me my debut. Um, but I think had it was more to do with Jack Charlton helping me, to, to be honest with you. Yeah. Did you go on any of these fishing trips that you went on at all? Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> I took up fishing uh, about oh, 10, 12 years ago uh, with, with a, a teammate of mine at Belsill Juniors, we Sean. And Sean's he's a, a keen fisherman, uh, outdoor guy, climber, all sorts. And yeah. I, I've only went fishing with him rather than all the other stuff. But I love the fishing now. It's, uh, it's something... Unfortunately, I don't get enough time for. But um, back in the day, I, I wish I had have taken it up at an earlier age because it's a fantastic pastime. It just 
gets you in the middle of nowhere, just, you know, kind of clears your head. And maybe that's why uh, Jack loved, you know, the archers are managing every day to get away on a, a river. I know exactly how he feels, to be honest now. How did you find living down Newcastle as well? Because obviously, of course, it's a football mad city, isn't it? It's, it's the, the passion for the football is unreal. Um, is that something that you enjoyed uh, living down in and sort of living and breathing it in down there? Absolutely loved it. Um, it's a, a great city, um, a great nightlife, great, yeah. just great people. They were all fantastic. Um, very, very similar to, to the Scottish kind of mentality. You know, they're from the north of England and obviously very close to us Scots in a lot of ways, um, their traditions and everything else. So it, it was great. I, I had two great years. I really enjoyed it. Um, and obviously still have friends to this day that we, I still keep in contact with. So great city, great place. Um, your debut then, can you remember much about it? I can remember the score. I can remember getting whipped off. I can remember <laughs> who came on for me. Um, but... Everything else was pretty much a blur, to be honest. Um, we got absolutely thumped after taking the lead as well at White Hart Lane. Um, but again, when you look at the Tottenham side, you know, Waddle had left Newcastle and went to Tottenham. Yeah. Um, Glenn Hoddle, John Chidozzi, Paul Allen. I mean, these are guys that maybe your younger audience won't have heard too much of, but I can assure you, <laughs> I know exactly how good they were that day, that's for sure. They were, it was a... a an absolute lesson in football. We, get, we ended up getting beat 5-1. I got subbed and Gaza came on. Yeah. Um, and it was just a phenomenal experience. Newcastle fans were, I mean, there must have been easy two, three, possibly more, thousands of fans down at, at White Hart Lane that day. And it was a great day. But unfortunately, the result, it's, you know, can't take it away from me. I, I played for Newcastle United, who are a, a massive, massive club. But, well, unfortunately, it, it kind of it went sour after that and uh, I left at the end of the season. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Are you disappointed that you couldn't stay longer there and, and, and establish yourself more uh, in the team? I was, yeah, I was gutted, to be honest. Um, I thought having played against Spurs, you know, then doing okay, I'd been away in a, a pre-season uh, tournament over in Isle of Man, um, had done really well. Uh, played in a pre-season friendly against Sheffield Wednesday, I think it was, at, at um, St. James's, And that was the game that, that Jack walked out on because, you know, there was a very small crowd that day. I think we drew one each. Um, it was it was a, a kind of pre-season friendly. There was nothing at stake, but a couple of fans had given him some stick in the stand. And uh, Glenn Roder, the captain at the time, came in after the game uh, and he, he told us all that the manager had walked out. And... Having just kind of got on the, the fringe of the, the first team, I was absolutely gutted. Um, Willie McFall took over, who was his, his uh, number two at the time. Willie was a, a, a good enough guy, he was a goalkeeper um, all his career from Northern Ireland. And, you know, I just, it just didn't click. I had no, there was no personality clash with him. I, you know, it just, it gave him a debut. Again, I'm very thankful for that. But, it just didn't click for me, um, and I left at the end of the season. I, I was gutted. I, I had, you know, figures in my head that I was going to talk about new contracts and get an extra twenty quid a week or something, and uh, <laughs> and then the, basically the rug was pulled under my feet, and I was I was devastated. Yeah, yeah, you would be. Um, you joined Hartlepool then, and uh, we, did, was, did you have any offer? Did you think about coming back up the road at all, or, or did you want to stay down there? 
Uh, I had a couple of offers, Hibs and St Mirren uh, were both, Clyde Bank as well, uh, they were all interested but it was a, a kind of part-time basis and you know, I had been two years at Newcastle and Hartlepool were sniffing about and they, they were offering me full-time contract which I still believed that I was, uh, I was good enough and I, I thought you know, coming back home was enticing because your family and everything, but I thought, well, give it another go. I signed a year with Hartlepool, and and really, my my career really took off. Albeit I still had five five and a half seasons at Hartlepool, but it was a fantastic five and a half seasons with them. Um, a lot of lows as well as getting promotion, um, and a lot of highs as well. It was fantastic. Yeah, definitely. I mean, playing regular. Uh, Consistent football as well, Rob, must have been good to, to, to finally sort of, spell, like you say, get the career off and running. Yeah, I mean, I was, for, for five and a half years, I was, I think three of those seasons, I was another present. I played every game. I was just loving playing football and that, you know, the contracts at Hartlepool, they weren't glamorous. They weren't, you know, um, paying us fortunes, but every one of us enjoyed playing at the club. Um, we, we had a, a good life away from the club, you know, that it was it was certainly a family club at the time. Um, you knew everybody wasn't fantastic crowds until we started improving. Um, and the, the promotion season in 1991 yeah. was a fantastic experience. The whole town just got behind us and, you know, to get promotion into the old club division. Again, one of my, my, my proudest uh, achievements at club football. Yeah, definitely. And did you play with some of the, I was looking at some of the, some of the players at Hartlepool at that time. But was Don Hutchison there at the time? Yeah, Don. Uh, Don was signed as a, a young kid. Um, again, you knew similar to the Paul Gascoigne. You knew he had talent at training. Um, his timekeeping was a wee bit questionable, but he was <laughs> travelling down from Newcastle every day. A um, couple of times he turned up with. McDonald's takeaways for his pre-match meals and stuff on the team bus, which didn't go down particularly. He he had a, a, a couple of rough edges, but you knew he was a, a, unquestionably a, a great talent. And yeah, Don, I, think when I, I played in a B squad and uh, with Scotland and Don was in my, my B squad as well. And it was good to, obviously, went on to Liverpool and, and you know, from Hartlepool, it was a great move for him. So I was proud. Very proud that he'd, he'd done well and, and moved on from Hartlepool because you know it's a club that doesn't always get recognised with harvesting talent, shall we say? But yeah. we had some decent players, and, and Don was certainly up there with, with one of the best. Yeah, but they sort of struggled in, in recent years. Old Hartlepool is, is it sad to see that the sort of demise of their club, Rob? Yeah, it's it is actually, um, but they've got a, a fantastic core of fans. I'm, I'm on. Uh, WhatsApp chat groups with the uh, southeast Hartlepool fans, or, um, local fans. I mean, they are they are nationwide, they're, they're worldwide as well, to be honest. But um, they've got a hardcore of fans that just want the club to succeed. Um, they're in, you know, the the national league just now, which isn't ideal, but they're you know third place at the moment. Um, so hopefully they can get back into league football and you know get the crowds back in. Uh, next season and give themselves a good chance of getting into at least the automatic spot if not the playoff spot 
Yeah, and of course, I mean, nobody's getting in, in grounds at the moment, but but did you often, did you, did you get down there much to go and see them when, uh, when, when you could do? Yeah, I had a, a couple of kind of question and answer things down there as well with some, some of the fans just to, to raise funds for the club. Um, and again, you're, you're always treated like a like royalty when you go down there um, and they, they really do look after you. Um, great hospitality. And again, just a, a family club that, that haven't really lost the, the kind of roots and the, you know, they, they just know, um, they know everyone and they, they look after everybody and it's a great club to be involved at. Yeah, definitely. Um, the Man United loan in, in 1990, how did all that come about? Um, I had been doing okay at Hartlepool. A lot of clubs have been sniffing about. I had went to to Leeds United when Howard Wilkinson was a manager for a, a, a to play in a kind of a practice match um, against his first team and, and reserve players. I had had an offer to go on tour with Aston Villa with Ron Atkinson, um, which I, I, I kind of knocked back to be honest with you. Um, whether that was a a clever move or not, I don't know. But obviously, I'll never know. But the Man United thing came about. Um, myself and a, a guy called Chris Short were asked to to go along and appreciate a end of season tour just after Man United had won the uh, cup, the, the, the FA Cup, beating Crystal Palace in the replay. Yeah. I was asked to go over to Dusseldorf, I think it was, for a, an end of season tour. Again, I played well in the games, and uh, Sir Alex had said, "Look, we'll get you back in pre-season training, and get you know you've done really well." Um, want to have another look but then what for whatever reason my manager Cyril Knowles um, never ever took up uh, on the, the pre-season thing I don't know whether he just wanted me to be sold to get money or I, I, I don't know but it was uh, it was quite uh, quite upsetting to be honest because I, I felt I had done okay in the, the games and obviously Manchester United don't come knocking on your door every single day of the week. So it was something that I knew I had done okay. And, I, you know, I thought that I might have a chance in pre-season. And it was unfortunate that it didn't materialise. And uh, I was, it took me a little while to get to go over that. But I realised, you know, I always had in my head that, you know, there was people coming to watch me and that if I keep performing with Hartlepool, then I would get my move. And I never chapped on doors, I never demanded moves, I just, you know, I, I just believed in my ability to, to eventually know that somebody would chap on the door and eventually it took a while but um, Tommy McLean was the, the guy to, to make the offer and take me away from Hartlepool. Yeah, um, before we touch on that, you mentioned that you had that, uh, you were at Leeds United for a bit, how did you find uh, Howard Wilkinson? Uh, it was, uh, I mean, it was literally a day, the club chairman at Hartlepool drove me down there in the morning for training or for the, the practice match. I was in Howard Wilkinson's office and I just remember there was his office was just full of football videos. It was just, you know, back in the VHS days and stuff. And uh, it was just full of them. And it was like players from all over the world. You know, he uh, had pretty much a global network, um, probably way before most other clubs had, uh, you know, thinking about foreign players and stuff. Yeah. And it was just... Video after it was incredible, actually, and it was all football, everything on his desk, everything was all related to 
his job basically. Um, there was no family pictures. There was nothing. It was just football, and that was it. Um, and yeah, I, I was introduced. Strachan was a, a player at the time, and uh, John McClelland and people like that. So they they all uh, kind of made me feel at home. Um, albeit it was just a literally a, a ninety minute practice match, just right outside the main stand on the training pitch, yeah. and the manager had asked uh, the chairman after the game if he could take me on loan till the end of the season. And the club said no, because basically we were in a promotion push at the time and they didn't want to, to lose me to that side. It, the only way, you know, if you lost a player on loan, there's no benefit from Hartley, for Hartlepool at that time because, you know, they would have needed money to replace me. Yeah. Um, and losing a player on loan... Especially when you're going for promotion, and we didn't have a big squad. Um, and again, I was disappointed, but I totally, you know, I missed one game that season in the whole of the promotion season, and that was when that night when Hartlepool went down to play Aldershot, and I think they won five nothing, so they didn't exactly miss me for the day. So um, <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. I mean, it, it was. I can understand why the club did it, um, why they refused the, the loan deal, whereas they were preferring obviously to, to cash in on me. Yeah. So, you, like you say, Rob, you come up the road, you joined Motherwell and, and Tommy McLean is, is, is the manager. Were you pleased? Did you feel the time was right to come back up the road? I think five and a half years at Hartlepool um, and you get obviously linked with a lot of clubs and, um, you know, Motherwell came calling. They were a, obviously just won the, the Scottish Cup that season and beating Dundee United. So, they were a club that I thought were, were on the up. But when I when I joined in the January, uh, I played my last game for Hartlepool in an FA Cup tie down at Ipswich, who were a, a big club at the time. We drew one each, um, so it was a, a good match to, to finish up on with, with Hartlepool. Um, and ha- your mother had an offer accepted by the club. Again, I was driven up by the chairman, and um, I met the manager, um, the chairman, everything, and, and everything was fine. Um, you know, it wasn't a fantastic contract, but I felt I'm going from the old third division in England to the, the, the Premier League in Scotland. It was a fantastic opportunity to try and, you know, test yourself in the top league. My first game was against Celtic at Fur Park on a Wednesday night. And that game, I was lucky I had my, my second win, shall we say, because it just, you know, the, the fitness levels and it, the, the difference in speed of the game from when I was at Hartlepool, obviously going to Mullow was just phenomenal and I was very fortunate. I had a a wonderful talent by the name of David Cooper playing next to me to, to help me in my, my debut. Yeah, well, nice to, to mention him. I was going to ask about him. What well, I mean, you played with some cracking players in your time, but he must be right up there. Oh, he's, you know, I was asked to do a, a 1-11, I think, by a Motherwell podcast uh, and and my, my best ever it was David Cooper. He was phenomenal. I've played with, as you say, your Chris Waddles, um, Peter Beardsley's people like that and Cooper's up there. You know, he's he's definitely, you know, and, and I've and I seen him at the, the end of his career, which again was even more, uh, just, it was fantastic just how, how much skill the guy had, uh, the talent, and, and as a person as well, when he, you know, off the park, he was a, a gem of a guy, and obviously very sad that he's no longer here to, uh, you know, to, to catch up with, because he was certainly, you know, my first game at Motherwell, 
as I said, it was against Celtic. And in the dressing room before the game, just sat me to listen, calm down, relax. A massive game. He, he obviously knew I was a Celtic fan. I was younger, and he said, just relax and enjoy it. I'll look after you. He said, just if you, you know, he, he knew I like going forward. He said, you just take off. I'll sit in. I'll put you. And I've not got the legs. He said, I'll just play the passes and you do the running. And we drew nothing each that night. Um, I think I was playing against Joe Miller and mm. obviously a talented winger at the time. Um, another level up from what I was used to. So I had a great great game that night with, with David Cooper. We drew nothing each. My dad still has the, the man of the match bottle in his house. So wow. uh, I, again, it was down to Cooper. And you know, after the game, it was we were obviously buzzing because we'd taken a point against Celtic and um, you know, he, he came over and how did you enjoy it? And it was just, it was fantastic. And he said, oh, I was disappointed. One of the balls that I, I played you, the mitre sign wasn't quite the right way up when it landed at your feet. You know? <laughs> so it was, um, but no, it was just a, a joy to play with, to be honest. And I, I think I've got a lot of guys, uh, ex-colleagues at Motherwell who, teammates that, you know, I can thank for, for making my time easier, shall we say, when I first went there. But Cooper was certainly up there as, as probably one of the, the most influential. Yeah, it's funny, you mentioned John McClellan earlier. I interviewed him a few years ago and he was talking about Cooper and said he, on the park he would just have tantrums at players because they're not passing it to his feet and all that sort of stuff. He was, he was known the, the moody blue. Did, 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 did you see that sometimes on the park? Yeah. I think he, I think he'd maybe uh, chilled out a little bit by the time he <laughs> came To be honest, um, he, he would still have his his tantrums, but I mean, most of the guys like Stevie Cup there who would just, you know, yeah. they would give him a bit back, and you know, it was just all banter, and and there was a lot of guys in the dressing room that had, had good banter. To be honest, so but Cooper used to amaze me. We, we trained and you know, over at Hamilton Palace grounds at times. And there was one time on a rugby pitch, one of the rugby pitches we were training on, um, and it was a bog, you know, it was a middle yeah. of winter, and it was an absolute bog. But Davey, the ball was just glued to his feet, like even in a, you know, a, a mud bath of a, a pitch, you know, and he just seemed to glide past people. He would, and, and it was just, it was a great talent. Um, and I, I obviously... Do I, I can't speak highly enough of them, and I, I do have fantastic memories of being lucky enough to have played in the same team as them. Yeah, but another player, sadly, no longer with us, who'd been a, a young boy back then, Phil O'Donnell. But do you know then he was he, he was he was a, a decent player then, uh, Rabbit, when he was at Mother was a youngster? I undoubtedly, um, when I had signed, obviously, everyone was talking about Phil O'Donnell because he you know played so well in the cup final. Um, and again, you know, he, he was a kind of left half, shall we say, old left half, left midfielder. You'd Cooper on the outside and you'd me at left back. And we just seemed to all click at, at, at the same time. And, and Philip was a, a great talent. He had a great engine. Um, also a great, great talent as well with the ball at his feet. He had just seemed to glide past players with ease. Um, but he was a great talent. But most of all, he was a humble, humble human being. He was a, a lovely kid. Um, I was fortunate enough to to be a good close friend with him at the time at Motherwell, um, and I, I, you know, obviously heartbroken at what had happened. Um, but a great talent. You, you just knew that he wouldn't be at Motherwell very long before a, a club came calling. And obviously, again, his childhood 
team came calling and he, he was he was away and you know club was you know one point eight million I think it was for Philip so again it, it really it really did help to you know to let Philip go to Celtic it was it was disappointing but again you know the the bonus was that the manager had money to spend. Yeah, but you mentioned that playing it uh, playing against Celtic when you went to Glasgow and played it at Celtic Park in Ibrox, Is that something you, you reveled in, Rab, to, to go at these sort of venues? I think if you ask any any player, um, the Scottish player, anyway, homegrown players, where they want to go and perform, you know, Hamden Park's your your pinnacle because you're you're playing on a cup final or you represent your country. But behind that, you've got Celtic and Rangers, um, Ibrox and Parkhead were. Fantastic venues to play football in. Um, you know the, the the setting, the the crowd, just everything was it was phenomenal. Um, loved, absolutely loved playing against Celtic and Rangers. We had some pretty good success against both the old firm back in the day as well when we were, you know, challenging for for kind of third and second place. And um, yeah, I mean, great great memories um, having won. At Celtic Park, when it was Fergus McCann's first game in charge, Dougie Arnott scored. We, we won one nothing, uh, beating Rangers two 0 at Ibrox when they were odds on to win the league, and you know we were we were challenging them. You know it was a fantastic experiences, and obviously, you know you sit and watch the games now, and you you reminisce now and again at um, some of the times and some of the games that you've been on those those pitches and getting dogs abuse from both sets of fans, but. You know, at the end of the day, that they, you know, they only give you dogs abuse if you're a half decent player, in my opinion. So, I must have been doing something right. Absolutely, of course. Alex McLeish would be his first job at Motherwell. Um, how, how did you find him? Because he played for a wee bit as, as well, and then he went into the, the coaching, didn't he? Yeah, he, he signed as a player player manager. Um, really enjoyed working with with Alex. He was a uh, again a man manager. He, he was probably still. Had the mentality of being a player as well. We, we kind of joining in with players, we, we kind of banter and stuff like that. And I think he balanced it well. You know, he had a, a couple of run-ins with probably some high-profile run-ins with, with Paul Lambert that, that's maybe been uh, on on uh, record in the past. But I think I just enjoyed working with him. He went out his way to make the you know his players appreciate him as much as he appreciated us uh, and again we had some success we, we you know Tommy Tommy McLean's side I think finished third and then we finished second with Alex as well and albeit a lot of people said that you know it was Tommy McLean's team and all the rest of it but you know he still he still need a manager to come in there and manage the players um, and Alex done a very good job and you know a couple of difficult seasons after that but however it was you know, I enjoyed working with them. There's, there's people I think that maybe have other opinions, but for me, anyway, I, I, you know, I always thought he was a, a good manager, um, and he, he, he did have potential to go on and, and to manage at the top, which he obviously did. Yeah, you mentioned there Paul Lambert. Of course, he'd, um, he'd go on and join Borussia Dortmund, the team that you'd play at Motherwell. Did you have any idea then, he'd, uh, when he was at Motherwell, that you'd go on and, and not only play in the, the Champions League final, but win win the trophy itself? No, I don't. I don't think anyone, you know, could have in their wildest dreams would have thought that, you know, we we went on a a pre-season tour. It was over to Holland. The 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 agent that took care of the the, the whole tour had remembered myself and and Paul from uh, 
from the tour. And when my contract was up with Motherwell, he had made contact with my agent who asked if I wanted to go over. So I, I went over and had a chat. Um, and, and basically, Lambert was phoning me every night at the time because his contract was up as well and asking if I had anything or if I'd heard anything and all this kind of stuff. And he had told me, he said, oh, mention my name to the, the agent guy who, who you're, you're with then. I saw it. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, no problem. So over a cup of coffee at night time, I had said to, to Ton Van Dalen, who was a Dutch agent at the time, I said, Ton, there's a teammate of mine, obviously, that uh, would be keen on looking at his options. Um, and I think it was after that he had him going to PSV with Dick Advocate to play in a friendly game. And then after that, he went to Dortmund and... As you said, the rest is history. European Cup winner, Champions, uh, you know, Champions League. He's won many titles with Dortmund and Celtic and trophies and stuff. So I don't think the games at Dortmund after those games, you could say, you know, that it was good enough to go and play there. I think they obviously saw something, and they, I think, they moulded him into the player that they wanted. They yes. saw obviously talent there. They saw signs of you know, great skill and composure in the ball. And, uh, you know, they they obviously took a chance. They, they didn't have to pay anything for them. And, they, you know, to, to go the following season to win a European Cup was just phenomenal achievement. And, obviously, they went on to another level, really, after that. Yeah, certainly did. Um, before we touched on your move to, to Holland, uh, Rob, of course, when you were at Motherwell, that's when you'd represent Scotland as well. It must have been a, a proud moment for you and your, and your family to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was mentioned in the, the kind of B squads. I was getting in the fringe of the A squad. Uh, I, I had to pull out, you know, my first actual full squad was a game against Italy over in the Olympic Stadium in Rome. And I, I played against Hibs on the Saturday prior. And I just remember about 10, 15 minutes going for a tackle. And I just kind of tweaked my groin and I thought I probably should have come off at the time thinking, you know, ahead for being in a Scotland squad. But I played on um, just because I think it was a tight game and I played on and I, I don't think I'd done myself any favours. And unfortunately, I had to pull out of that one. So I was gutted because it was your first squad, Italy away. I mean, Baggio and people like that in that, 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 that era. It was just quite... Uh, Disappointing, to be honest. Um, but I got another chance, obviously, and um, I was fortunate enough to get three full caps for my country. My, you know, the pride and the the honour of being chosen as the, the the best full back at that time for your country was just it's a phenomenal yeah. experience. Um, and just one again, you know, I wasn't fortunate to get you know, 50 caps and all the rest of it. But the three I got, I was tremendously proud. And still to this day, you know, they're, they're in the jerseys and the caps. My dad's got one and I've got one in a, in a frame. And I just, you know, it's upstairs in one of the bedrooms. And it's just, you pass it every now and again. You have a look and you think, God, you know, it seems a lifetime ago, you know, that um, I managed to achieve that. But it still, you know, fills you with pride when you look at it to this day. Well, absolutely. Was there maybe a, a tinge of disappointment? I know you, the three caps were, were all away, for, away from home. Do you sort of harbour ambitions that you just wanted to run out of Hamden at, at least once? 
I remember there was a game at home against Greece, um, and it was another one I had been in the squad, and another, unfortunately, I had to pull out because I was having bother. Uh, we're kind of a nose problem with breathing at the time, and this is when all these rubber band things were getting put on the bridge of people's noses and stuff. So I had tried all that, and nothing would, you know, I just seemed really drained with half an hour to go in matches. And uh, I was in a Bon Secours hospital, which is a spitting distance of Hamden. And I just remember I had an operation to take away polyps in my nose, and I was recovering while the Scotland Greece game was going on. And I could hear the crowd and cheering and everything. I think Scotland won one nothing that night. McCoy scored, and again it was a game that I'd missed out on at Hamden. And probably, you know, lucky enough to play at Hamden with Clyde Bank against Queens Park, and also with, you know Celtic had their state. You know they were getting their stadium revamped, and they used Hamden for a season or two. So we played in some games there as well, and it was a fantastic experience. But yeah, to, to represent your country at home at Hamden would have been phenomenal. But unfortunately, you know, it was three away games. But again, they're still they still count. You know, I was lucky enough we, we didn't get beat, we didn't concede any goals in my three caps. So there's there's not many internationals can say that these days. Uh, some record. Um, back to the the, the the club duty. Then, of course, you you decide to move away uh, in '96 and move to Holland uh, FC Twenty. Do you just fancy a fresh challenge then, Rob? A completely something, something new? I think at the time, um, Aberdeen had, uh, this is all to do with, you know, the Bosman ruling at yeah. the time, and Aberdeen had offered 400 grand for, to Motherwell for me to go and, and, and join them, and I'd spoke to Roy Aitken at the time, and it was a kind of last-minute thing, really. Uh, agent had called me on a, a Sunday night, and he said, I've got a call from a, a Dutch agent. He wants you to go over and talk. There's a club called FC20. Had heard of them because when I was at Newcastle, I'd went and played in a youth tournament in Enschede. So yeah. I, I knew the club. Um, didn't you know? Wasn't uh, didn't know any players or anything, but I, I, I did know of them. Um, so I thought at the time it was worthwhile having a a discussion with them. Uh, we went over at the time, and obviously the Bosman ruling. It did mean that. You know, players were probably going to financially be rewarded more because the clubs didn't have to pay transfer fees. So I went over, um, disappointed from obviously from Motherwell's point of view because you know the, there was a four hundred grand offer there from Aberdeen, but I just felt that you know to get away from the Scottish football, playing each other four times a season, just something fresh at my age. You know, I was I was ninety six. I was my 30th birthday was fast approaching when I joined, so I wasn't a young kid. I wanted to experience something, and, and to be honest, I was very, very glad and, and, and again, honoured that I had two great years in Holland with a great club. We managed to finish in Europe, and, you know, it, it was fantastic experience. Yeah, you mentioned that the Bosman had been one of the, one of the first uh, transfers at, at that time. Um, did you get any grief from from mother at the time for for um, no 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 staying in Scotland and losing out in the money? I don't think so. No, um, I think Alex would probably have liked me. I went to Aberdeen and he would have been given money um, to yeah. to kind of reshape the squad and stuff because it did need refreshing. Um, but no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, this is obviously before social media and stuff. So I would imagine, had there been Facebook and 
yeah. Instagram, I'd maybe have been on the end of some <laughs> seething comments. But um, I think most fans were genuinely happy that you know I had, I had served four and a half seasons for Motherwell. We had achieved, you know, finished second in the league. We, you know, two amazing games against Dortmund, as you said, in Europe. Um, and and to be honest, I, I don't think many people begrudged um, me moving on. Um, and and I did, you know, I, I did have two fantastic years, and it was. It was sad, you know, the club didn't get reimbursed, but it was also, from my own point of view, I had to look after myself and my family, and um, financially it was it was far more rewarding than, you know, even going to Aberdeen at that time. Yeah, but on the field, did, did you notice a difference in the, the style of play and all that when you went over there? I mean, it, it, was, it was night and day, it really was. You had players that, that really... You know, wingers wouldn't come near you until you went into their half. You know, you just sat back. You could play across the back four to your heart's content. You would, you know, and it was all about, you know, it was all about probing and, and finding areas and and really knocking the ball, keeping the ball moving. And I had an East German manager who I did not understand one word that he, he spoke of and he didn't understand me. Um, I couldn't speak Dutch at the time, so everything was having to be translated through the coach Fred Rutten yeah. and he, he used to tell me I know you like going forward but I don't want you bombing forward 10 times in one half and only delivering one good cross I want you to go four times five times and I want two or three good crosses and that's you know and it was just really it was teaching you it was, it was just really thinking more about the game rather than just bombing forward all the time and Hopefully, one of them times that you get forward, you manage to get across, and it was just really thinking and and really being more tactical and just probing teams more and and trying to pull people out of shape and triangle passes and stuff. And it was really it was an eye opener for me because I had never been fitter. Um, in pre season, there was no mad runs around Strathclyde Park. There was no uphills and up sand dunes at Gullen Beach and stuff. It was just all to do with the ball, running with the ball, and, and I had never been fitter, to be honest, and at 30 years of age. And it was a, a great learning experience. The players all treated the, the training and, and the club and the, their job. It was a full-time job. There were mornings we would train three three times a day. And, you know, back in Scotland, you would think, God, that's... You know, pre-season was morning and afternoon, but after that, you were finished at 12 o'clock and up the road. Whereas over there, you know, it was days four or five o'clock, you're coming home after three bouts of training, fitness training, physique training, just uh, recovery training. It was just all sorts of different training. And it was just, everything was all planned. You know, you had a, a month's planner that went up and it told you what day you were training, what day you were traveling, what day you were overnight staying before games and your days off. Everything was all done and it was just so professional, um, sat and had lunch together. It was all about food and diet and nutrition and it was just a fantastic experience, it really was. Yeah, you mentioned the language there. Um, did, did you sort of, did it take you a wee while to, to learn the language, uh, Robin? And on the field, was it a struggle, struggle at first to, to understand your teammates and things? I don't think language is, is, is a barrier when it, you know, when it comes to, to playing football when you're on the pitch. You know, you, there's, 
you know, you can shout, you can, you know, you can make people know where you are by just a shout. And um, yeah, the Dutch guys all loved speaking English. It was like they wanted to show off because you know they'd been taught it at school. Um, you know, they were fluent in Dutch and German, French, English. I mean, it was just put us to shame, you know. But um, they they did enjoy it. But I did take lessons every day. Uh, between morning and afternoon training, I had a, a teacher that came to the stadium and he gave me kind of lessons and, uh, for for about an hour every day. So I did eventually pick it up. It's a difficult language, but um, I, I got the, the kind of grips of it with the, the basics and stuff. And um, you know, I think the players responded more to that because you were actually trying to, to learn their lingo rather than, you know, just a bit lazy and, and hoping that they all talk to you in English so I think they did appreciate that a bit more um, and again it, it helped with your you know communicate with the manager as well because he at the time was learning Dutch as well so we were you know we, we could then communicate face to face rather than go through an interpreter and things getting taken out of context so it was great. Yeah in terms of your, your teammates uh, we had uh, Theo Tenka on uh, last month and Asked me, I was going to speak to you. He says, tell him what he thinks. He's his old roommate. How, how did you find him? Yeah, Theo was a, a top top guy. I mean, he, he had a fantastic Dutch Scottish accent when he played FC <laughs> Twenty, and he loved. Again, he was one of the guys that loved the kind of talking and, and yeah. the Scottish role um, in English to me. Um, the two of us were roommates. It, again, he was one of these guys that kind of looked after you and kept you right, and you know told you really just through his experience of you know when you have to recover when you have to you know prepare for a game and when you have to get to your bed and all that kind of stuff and he, he did he looked after me and um it was a great 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 guy i mean he, he's we had some good laughs at the time um for the two years we were there um and he is a guy that had you know good experience a good player at aberdeen when he was playing with aberdeen um and yeah Great talent, played on the left-hand side as well, similar to David Cooper. He, he, he was on that side of the field, which made it a lot easier for me as well when I first settled in. Yeah, the, he mentioned, I asked him about uh, Jan Venegor, a Hesselink who was there at the time. And he says he was a nightmare at first up front. They were thinking about putting him in, putting him in, uh, in defence. Um, was he that bad? How, 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 how good was he? I think um, we had a, a guy up front called Johnny Bosman who... Yeah. Um, was a, a Dutch internationalist and again Johnny was coming to the end of his career he was about 34 I think but was scoring goals for fun um, so it was always going to be hard for a young kid coming through but Jan did get the you know he would come on as a sub or he would get the odd game if, if Johnny was injured he would come on and, and, and he would always do well um, I never I never doubted really that he, he was a talent I, I, I think he knew where the goal was he was big and strong he would put his head in the most awkward of places to get, you know, a chance to sniff at, at goal um, from corners, from free kicks. And he was just a brave, big guy. Um, he didn't have phenomenal skill like most Dutch people have, but he knew where the goal was. And I think, you know, I don't, I don't think they ever doubted that he would, um, he would make it up front. I just think that, you know, Dutch people uh, or the players and coaches, they, they try, they try and, make players rounded players and, and really they can play anywhere and most training sessions in um, the afternoon we would finish with a game where 
if you were a left back, you moved over to right back and you were not allowed to touch the ball with your left foot or else we gave a free kick away. So it was like just really training your mind and my right foot that, at that period was never as good as when I, I played in Holland. Um, you know, you were actually comfortable coming inside from the left-hand side and playing a right-footed pass, whereas, you know, at Motherwell, I would just be going around in circles to get the ball back onto my left, you know, and it, it did, it, it just, it trained your mind to to, to just relax and, and be comfortable with your, your weak foot or, you know, most, most of these guys played, you know, if they were a left winger like Tio, he would go over to the right and he would be perfectly comfortable with his right foot as well um, because that's just the way the Dutch game, the, the Dutch kids are brought through the, the youth system. And um, But yeah, the, Big Jan was a, you, you knew he was going to be a talent, I think, from, from an early age. Yeah, of course, uh, great first season for you there. You mentioned that you finished third in, in, in the league, European football. Playing against the, the big sides, um, Rab, was that again like Rangers and Celtic, something you, you thrived on over there? Uh, it was the games, obviously, as a as a player in, in Scotland, you look at the clubs in Holland and you think, you know, your PSV, um, you've got your Firewood and you've got your Ajax, that's the big three. Um, nobody really comes close to that anywhere else in the country. So they, those were the games, obviously, when the fixtures were released that you look at and you thought, right, that's... That's going to be interesting, you know. And, and the added uh, bonus was that the the arena had just been built yeah. um, for Ajax, and we were, you know, we played them in the beginning of the season in a cup game, and we beat them four one. And I managed to score a header that day in the yeah. arena. So it was just that, you know, when when you go over to a club, you want to make an impression. And obviously, getting off to a start like that, they hadn't beat Ajax in years, and we we beat them four one. Albeit there was a, a kind of a second string team. It, it wasn't the strongest team, shall we say, but we certainly we went there and we played really well and obviously scoring and, and doing well in that game, it helps you settle straight away. And, you know, that season, I think the 34 games in the league, we won about 19 or 20 of them. And as you say, we finished third. Um, we beat, you know, to split up the big three was, was something that the club hadn't done in, you know, years and years and years. So, again, a fantastic achievement with the club and the fans, the town, they, they were just bonkers. It was just a fantastic spell being at the club. Um, and, you know, to this day, they still remember you because it was the club that split up the big three. Yeah. Was there any player you came up against when you were over there that, that gave you a, a, a tough afternoon? Uh, well, have you been talking to Tio? He's probably... No, no, um, no, I, I played the, the Ajax um, side at the time had a guy called Babangida, yeah, who was a small right winger that literally, he, he, you know, he could probably give Carol Lewis or somebody a, a run for their money at 100 metres. He was just lightning, this guy. Yeah. And I always enjoyed playing against him. Like, so, you know, playing against Larson. Larson was more of a winger when he was in Feyenoord when I was playing for FC20. And you had Brian Loudrup at Rangers as well, who was a talented player. But I loved playing against you know, good, skillful wingers rather than guys that had sheer pace because I just hated chasing back. You know, I'd rather a player would put his wits against me with skill and get by me with skill rather than just pace because I, I just hated it. But um, Babangida was probably the quickest player I've ever played against and, and really 
at the time in Holland it was probably the you know Hustra I think had had went back from Rangers. Um, he was kind of in his last legs, if you like, enough for a football point of view. But Bavinguida was certainly one of the players I remember yeah. playing against and just for pure pace. Yeah, he was something else. Um, you'd uh, you'd leave then after a couple of years, and you come back. You come back home. Did you feel that the, the time was right then uh, to come back, Rob? Or did did you want uh, to stay longer? I just feel I, I felt at the time it was right for the, the the family. My daughter was born in the February before we we came back home over in Holland, um, and my son was getting to a stage where he would have to start primary school, and it was. A couple of times he was getting a bit upset because um, teachers weren't talking English to him in, in, a, in a Dutch kind of kindergarten, which kind of makes you a little bit unsettled. But, you know, they, having spoke to teachers, they said, look, you know, he will pick it up. Kids are like sponges, blah, blah, blah. And, it, you know, he was picking it up. You know, my youngest son now goes to a Gaelic school in East Kilbride and, wow. you know, he, he picks that up as well. And had I persevered, I think, you know, he would have probably settled in at the school and picked up the language a lot quicker than what I would have been at that age, you know. Yeah. But we just decided that, you know, Hearts had uh, made an offer at the time and a, a pre-Bosman, a pre, pre-season kind of offer to me in the January. And it was just, I think the time was right just to come home just for my, my oldest son to go to school. Um, I, from a football point of view, Probably, you know, you look back at it and you think probably should have stayed on. But from a family point of view, I felt I did the right thing. Um, didn't have the most uh, successful of two seasons at, at Hearts when I went there. So, yeah. you know, looking at the, the kind of time I had at FC20, I'm sure, you know, the club went on to win a cup and stuff like that. So having been part of that would have been exceptional from a football point of view. But... You know, I just felt it was the right thing to do for my son. Yeah, the, I mean, obviously you're, you're at Hearts. Jim Jeffries was a the manager there at the time. You went out and loan a couple of times as well, didn't you? Hartlepool and, and, and Carlisle. Just, um, but just disappointing not to get more more opportunities there. Yeah, I think um, you know I, I was kind of having spoken to, to Jim Jeffries before I'd signed um, in the January. He said that you know we've got a young kid coming through. Uh, he's a good young talent, um, but. You know, we, we see that he could learn from you, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff, which he, he kind of gave me all that spiel. And I thought, yeah, that's great. Uh, unbeknown to me, that young kid was Gary Naismith. And really, I, I don't think he needed much in the way of uh, guidance at the time. So um, he was a, a great young kid as well. Good left back. Um, obviously went on to have a fantastic career. And, you know, at the time, I was I was coming in and out of the team, playing well in certain games and then getting dropped the following game. If yeah. Gary was injured, he was coming back into the team. So it was uh, it was a stop-start, two seasons, shall we say. But one, again, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, great bunch of guys, Dan Jackson, big yeah. Stephen Presley, Paul Ritchie, Stevie Fulton, all these guys. I mean, Gary Locke, just characters. And it was a great dress room to be in. I mean, it really was, but... Um, from a football point of view, it, it wasn't the, my most um, successful time. Yeah, and then after that, you, 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 you go back. You go to uh, Clyde Bank, wasn't it? For a, for a couple of years, you were you were down there, and then you with the juniors with Bell Hill. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I finished off my, my kind of senior career with Clyde Bank for two years. Um, John Viola had 
put money into the club to try and obviously guide it to uh, back to kind of former glory, shall we say. Um, it didn't quite work out. And obviously the club had to fold after two seasons, which, you know, for, from my point of view, I wasn't, you know, I was coming to the end of my career. I was 34, 35, whatever I was at the time. So I wasn't really, you know, that that bothered, not, not bothered, but I wasn't that affected by the club going, you know, the way they went. But there was a lot of young kids there that uh, really needed to try and, you know, get, get another club. And that's what I felt Clyde Bank should have concentrated on doing when you know the, the funds weren't there it just it folded and that was it and collapsed and unfortunately the young kids were left with a, a kind of uncertainty which some of them you know some of the older players that we were there would, would try and use our contacts and get kids in for, for trials or whatever and, and from that point of view a lot of good supporters as well they had a great fan base as well um, during that time and very very difficult and I think Again, it's it's a that was a, a kind of sad two years. Right? Yeah. Having been there, we, we felt we had a good enough squad to win promotion. We didn't get promotion, and then obviously the owners felt that you know they, they didn't want to kind of put any more money into the club and withdrew their their financial investment, and and really the club had nowhere to go from there. So yeah. I'm glad to see that they're back up and running, um, and the the junior leagues and they're doing quite well hopefully one day they can get back into the, the league again but yeah. I, I, I was at Bells Hill with, with Tommy Coyne uh, as you mentioned and we had three seasons there again fantastic experience that was our first kind of dip in the, the water as far as management went and coaching and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it um, I still keep in contact with, with two or three guys um, one, one of which that as I said to you earlier on, um, introduced me to fishing and we still, you know, we, we go fishing every now and again, myself and my pal. Um, um, so, I, you know, that, that was a great experience, loved it. Um, and, and really, the three years, it kind of finished up kind of unsavoury with the, with the owners, but I had a great three years, thoroughly enjoyed it. And now, you know, I, I don't have any involvement in the game. I, I go and watch my, my youngest play for EKYC and, and that's about it. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Did you leaving Bills Hill? Did that sort of put you off the the game a wee bit, Robert? Did did, did you did you have aspirations to continue the coaching side of things? I, I enjoyed the coaching side of it. Quite, no question about it. Whether I had the uh, that that step up again to be the the manager and the one the, the head on the pulpit, I'm, I'm not quite so sure. Um, I, I enjoyed the relationship with the players rather than obviously boards and you know directors and stuff like that and at the time you know I, I'm involved with my family business and, and at the time that was taking up all of my my time anyway and it was getting harder and harder to get away on a Saturday as well because we're, you're trying to build up your own you know your own life basically your, your business and um, it, it was getting harder so in a way a slight relief to, to be able to then just take a, a step back and, and just get involved and put my 100% into my business. And uh, from that point of view, I haven't really looked back. Yeah, but Alex is on. What is it that keeps you keeps you busy just now then, Rob? What is it? Well, we, we have a, a, a body shop and a, a HGV commercial garage in Paisley. And we've got a, 
a, a kind of private garage up in East Kilbride that we, you know, we, we do public tyres and MOTs and servicing and stuff like that. So there's myself, my brother and my sister. Uh, my dad's retired now and he took a step back a few years ago and uh, left it to his three children to, to, uh, to either make our balls up or else take it to <laughs> a step forward. So thankfully we've, we've done okay. Hopefully we've uh, made them proud. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Magic, thank you very much. Well, it's been terrific having you on, Rob. Thank you very much for, for coming on. Thanks, Derek, and all the best, and hopefully a, a, a much better 2021 around the corner <laughs> for everybody. Can't be any worse, that's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> That was episode 85 of the Talking Football podcast with Rab McKinnon in association with On The Team Sheet. As ever, I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you want to listen to any previous episodes, you can catch them all in pretty much all podcast platforms. And we're now on YouTube. Just search for Talking Football. Be also sure to check out and subscribe to the Talking Football website. That's talkingfootball.co.uk. You'll find a whole load of great content on there. If you're on Twitter, you can follow us at Talking underscore Football. And we're on Facebook as well. If you want to sponsor the Talking Football podcast, you can do just that. Just visit the Get Involved page on the website or email us at contact at derekclarksports.co.uk. I hope you can all join me again in 2021. But until then, I hope you all have a cracking new year when it comes. Keep safe and bye for now. Bye.